What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I'm your host, Brenda Aiken. And joining me today is the man who can figure out all of life's problems by watching a baseball game, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. Yeah, wasn't that great? We went to a baseball game this weekend with the family. And I think the figuring out of problems is to when you can let go of the trying to figure out the problems and just watch and, and be impressed. And that's what we did. We just let go of all the world's problems and enjoyed a baseball game. And there's nothing more American than that. My mom and dad, my mom particularly loved baseball when I was a kid and I, and I played baseball. And as you, as some of you know, our son did as well. So baseball is a big deal in our family. And, and of course, Brenda, you're, you're from San Diego. So we grew up rooting for the Padres, but we've converted. We are, we've been 25 years, Seattle Mariner fans. And it was great to see the team. Uh, it's always so incredible in my mind. And we go to a game at least once a year, sometimes twice a year for different things. And growing up seeing it, there is nothing, though, like that first glimpse of when you get to the ballpark and you're from the outside and in Seattle, you know that it's right there in town. And you walk through the tunnel and then you come out and you see that beautiful green field and it's just huge. And all the people who are around, you just, you never get tired of that experience. It's just so awe-inspiring that it just makes you enjoy everything, including the food seems to be all the more better when you get to enjoy it at the ballpark, especially this time of year. Yeah, yeah. And and our son, he he's now 17. Uh, he really, really loved it. And he said, Dad, when was the first time you took me here? And you you heard him ask that question and you you reminded him it was when you were your first year in Little League. And then all of them were invited up to Seattle to to walk onto the field. That's right. And it was Little, Little League, League Day. Day. Oh, he had he then it all came flooding back to him. Oh, yeah. You know, and so it was just a, that's that's the thing I always appreciated about baseball for me is it's been a reminder of my grandfather who loved the Kansas city Royals and watched it on um, TV all the time on a TV that could barely get two lines together. It was so, it was so uh, fuzzy, but he would watch it diligently. Um, And my mom, and just like I said, there's things, there's memories that come back from events like that. The other interesting thing was watching the way that the wives tried to work out some situations. Now, we went with um, a couple of friends of ours and all of our kids came with us. And then as we were taking the train from the hotel uh, where we were staying overnight, because it is a drive up to Seattle from here, uh, we got on the train. We were going to go try to get something to eat. Now, all of the wives were sitting, looking at their phones, going, "Okay, well, here's the plan. But now that plan's not going to work. So let's try this. Well, let's try this. Well, we can try this place. We're all trying to figure it out. And from the back, the husbands kept going, why don't we eat at the stadium? You know, we can eat at the stadium. I'm pretty sure there's food at the stadium. And this went on for about the 20, 25 minute, you know, train ride it took us to get to uh, T-Mobile Park. And finally, when we were just about ready to get on the stop where we had first talked about the men, finally, and they said, go to the park. We need to go to the park. And so we said, "Okay, we'll do that. And it really was 
the perfect decision because what we realized is that we didn't have as much time as we thought. We were able to get our food, but it happened to be Armed Forces Day at the ballpark. And that was a lot of fun. I have as much fun almost watching all of the pregame excitement. And the great thing about that evening, because we had that time because we were there early, it was Armed Forces Night at the ball game. So there was a giveaway and we all were able to participate in that. But then going and watching the field, all of the branches, and they were honoring them all in different ways. It's kind of a fun, really, way to experience the game. And the wonderful thing, as you as you alluded to, we made it there on time. I mean, I can't. <laughs> there's countless games we've gone to, and for whatever reason, I'm finding a parking spot, and I'm so cheap. I'm going to find a cheaper parking spot. We end up ten miles from from the uh, from the baseball field. And we end up walking in the past, and we're late. We're late by twenty minutes, fifteen minutes, half hour, even even like five minutes. I remember one game we went to. You were like, "We're going to get in. We're going to get in. We can't get in," and you just go, "We're going to miss the opening." And this time we made the opening. You got to see it all. All was right. So thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. And especially when your team comes home with a win, well, it makes it all the more better. But, you know, those types of situations, especially when we're taking the family and moreover, when they were all really little, you want to make sure everybody's safe. You're trying to make these decisions and so forth and so on. And it's a good lead into today's show because our guest today is Father Augustine Weta. Now, he has a new book called Pray, Think, and act. And on today's show, Father Weta is joining us today to talk about how to draw a little inspiration from the Desert Fathers in helping you make good decisions. And then after that, we'll share a little bit about how you and I have learned to uh, evolve our decision making over the years that we've been married and we've been raising our kids. So stay with us. We've got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites 60 Seconds, where 2,000 years of faith and tradition is explained one minute at a time. I'm Father Tim Furrow of the Archdiocese of Portland and Oregon, and today we're going to talk about getting your prayer time in. If you're like me, you have a hard time finding time to pray, mainly because you're ridiculously busy. So busy that when you want to learn about something, you do something crazy like, I don't know, listen to a one-minute podcast about it or something. That's busy. The problem with being busy is that it's generally the enemy of intimacy. It's hard to talk to somebody that's doing something else, right? Have you ever had that feeling of just standing there trying to tell someone an arbitrary piece of information while deep down your innermost self is crying out, look at me, love me? Well, that, my friends, is how our Lord feels when we don't make spending time with Him a priority. He's not mad, he's sad. Give him five minutes of your time today, just five minutes, and he will repay you with an eternity of joy. I'm Father Tim Furlow, and this is Catholic Bites, 60 Seconds. A great way to support Mater Day Radio is through our leadership circle. These are businesses and organizations whose names you hear on the air every day. They believe in our mission of providing the region with positive Catholic radio programs of faith and hope. Simply put, our Leadership Circle members keep our broadcast strong through their financial generosity. If you run a business or organization, please join us. We need you. Information on our Leadership Circle at materdayradio.com. 
Family life can be hectic, but God can be found right in the middle of it. So take a moment for this week's View from the Pew. Well, in this world that's full of constant noise, there's distractions, making sound decisions, well, can be a huge task. But with his trademark wit and humor, Father Augustine Weta, well, he reaches way back to monastic history to pray, to think, and to act. And he gives readers practical ways to work through making both everyday decisions and the bigger ones that's going to affect your lives long term. Now, Father Weta walks readers through how to pray while considering all your options, how to think through the possible outcomes, well, then how to come to a conclusion and act. Now, Father Weta is a monk of St. Louis Abbey who teaches English, classics, and apologetics at the St. Louis Priory School, where he's also coaching rugby, and he's joining us today. Father Weta, thank you so much for joining the Morning Blend. Oh, thank you for having me. I love Portland. Oh, well. I especially love whatever whatever blend you have. I'm sure it's absolutely (laughs) fantastic. (laughs) You know, here in Portland, we've got our fair share of very good morning blend. But the favorite one is the one that everyone listens to Monday through Friday on Mater Day Radio. Father, you are a teacher at an all-boys school. And I would imagine they might say the same thing that I'm going to ask you now. This is modern times, Father. What can monks of ancient times have anything to tell us about making decisions today? (laughs) They would ask it that way, exactly. And I think, well, my my reply is usually that uh, you're not the first people in the world to think about these things. And in fact, a lot of your problems were solved hundreds and hundreds of years ago, um, and by people much smarter and holier than you, which is takes a lot for a teenager to appreciate that. But um, yeah, I think what they have to, they lived in a simpler age and they thought in simpler terms and in, in a way, well, you know what? Uh, I might have to take all that back. Maybe their ties are just as weird and complicated as ours. But the point was that they found a way to simplify their lives and to commit to certain things uh, in a way that I think we can learn something from. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's stupid. <laughs> oh, I, I could not agree more. And boy, to know that even when things seem so complicated as they do today, it does seem like the root of whatever we have to go through, well, it's not new. It's things that people have thought no. about, especially within our faith for, well, a millennia. So if that's the truth, then why is this hard? Even moral decisions, which seems like, okay, right and wrong, black and white, that's very straightforward. Yet now the noise of this day and age does seem to blur things to make that gray color. So how do we go about this making right decisions when it feels like we're living in a lot of gray? Yeah, I spent half of my life thinking things just don't change. And then half of my life thinking this Things have never been like this before, ever. Uh, and I think that, yeah, you're, I think you're right on one, on one level, at least, that um, we have more options now than we ever have. And those other options are much more available than they ever have been. Um, so that, like, I, I don't know, I was talking to one of the kids in my school the other day, and he said, you know, if I want to buy a fork, <laughs> I have 
an infinite number of forks I can choose. Like I go online and just one shop has like a thousand different kinds of forks. How do you choose which fork to use, much less like which wife to marry or which vocation to embrace? Um, I, you, I guess it used to be the case that you would sort of grow up in your father's business and take over, and then you'd be a butcher just like your dad was a butcher and his dad was a butcher. But now you can see what everybody else is doing at any given time and see the best of it. Um so, so it's not merely actually, in the end, it's not merely a case of simply deciding, but of just committing to the decisions that you've made. I think one of the crucial insights of the Desert Fathers, uh, and they wouldn't, I suppose, say it in so many words, is that no matter what you decide, it's going to be a bad decision. And frankly, there's no way to make the perfect decision. And even if you could make the perfect decision, someone would mess it up for you, probably you. And, and it, but what 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 in the end I think what separates holy, decisive, happy people from sort of indecisive, miserable people is commitment. Is that you just finally have to make your decision and go with it. Uh, but then but then again you also have to be willing to quit if it was a stupid decision. <laughs> oh well, absolutely. And you know the the thing about making a decision too, especially in this day and age, is with young people too, is yeah. not only do they go online and look up all of the possible options for making any possible decision. Yeah. Well, then the next thing they do is they go into the comments and see what people think about what they've yeah. decided to do. And now there's a whole nother added layer about having your decision swayed one way or the other. Well, yeah, which is why the first step is to pray, right? And the first step of the first step is to retreat because I think really what, what what really is lacking right now in our lives is silence. And so every great decision, every good decision, in fact, every mediocre decision should be preceded by at least a few seconds, at least a few moments of real silence where you can listen to see, hear what God is saying. Because God doesn't shout people down usually. He, he's, he speaks in a very quiet voice. And unless you ha- take the time to let the mud in your life settle, uh, there's really no way to even begin to think about these things, consider all the alternatives without having that space in your mind and in your soul to to let God do his thing. Mm. Well, that is some of what you will learn about in Father Augustine Weta's new book. It's titled Pray, Think, Act. Make Better Decisions with the Desert Fathers. It is out by Ignatius Press. Well, Father, is it that simple? Three steps to any decision that you might have. Pray on it, think, and then act. Yeah, I think it is that simple in the end. Uh, I mean, I, I managed to complicate it a little bit in my book by getting into the details of what your prayer might look like and, and what thinking about it should the sort of shape that that should take. But, uh, but yeah, I think really if you, if you, if all you do is pray uh, first, then you've, then you're, you've got a leg up on the competition at least. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, you laid this book out quite simply also, too, so that way anybody who picks it up can kind of read through this. It's not your standard just here, open up the book and here you've laid it all out, but you really work through each step in this process. You also bring forward some of the Desert Fathers. Kind of tell our listeners when they open up your book how they're going to use it. Well, I think one of the geniuses of the Desert Fathers is that they don't quite tell you what to do. Uh, they t- but they, what they'll do is, if you ask one of the monks, in fact, even today, if you ask a monk, what should I do? They're not really likely to give you a straight answer. They'll tell you a story, and then you'll use that story to work through the answer on your own. And so every subsection of this book starts with a little quote or a story from the Desert Fathers, such as uh, Serapion was given a gospel manuscript, but he only read as far as the word, sell what you have and give to the poor, because he immediately sold it and gave the money to the poor, right? <laughs> um, which is a, kind of a comic little vignette. But on, at the same time, it, it tells you something about how to orchestrate your life, that, that really, first you trust in the scriptures and if you really take them seriously, it will affect the decisions you make. Well, fantastic. That is just a great process. If you picked up Father's new book, Pray, Think, Act, well, you two will be on your road to making very sound and moral decisions. Father, I really appreciate your time today. It's a fantastic book, and I thank you for your time today. Before we go, can you end us in a prayer and your blessing? Uh, Sure. In fact, I will, I, will, I will give you a prayer that was made up yesterday by one of my students. He said, Lord, make us holy and smart, but mostly make us holy because who cares if you're smart if you're a jerk? <laughs> so, <laughs> Almighty God that. bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And again, that is Father Augustine Weta. Now, the name of his new book is Pray, Think, Act. It is out by Ignatius Press. I will be sure to add a link to the podcast of this interview where you can get right to Ignatius Press and purchase a copy for yourself. You'll find those links on the materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. You Well, there was a time, Scott, for you and I where we all the decisions that we ever had to make only affected you and I. You know, you and I were married for, well, nine years before our daughter Alyssa was born through various circumstances that happened before those years. But, you know, whatever we decided, we would just, you know, you and I and, you know, it could have been anything and off we went with it. But then as the family grew Well, the decision process became bigger with where we're going to go to live and what your job was going to be and where the kids were going to go to school and how their lives were being impacted by all these different things. It's as with many things in life that, well, you start off small learning how to make decisions and then, well, you're ready for it when really big decisions came upon you. You know, I have talked to a lot of young people of late and just knowing with our own kids, but also other young adults. And they, they have, I think a sense in, in society, today's society that they need to get things quickly. They need to get the car, the house, the job, the family, and they don't see how you incrementally 
grow in life. They don't see that as a process. They see that almost as an as an inhibition. Like I I don't want to be inhibited by time. I just want to move right to being an adult. And that's some some of the impetuousness of our of our youth. And I remember we were like that too at some point. But you really look back upon a life well lived and you see, my gosh, I'm glad I didn't have all four kids at once, or I'm glad it didn't have all the worries of the job that I have today because it's so complicated. Now, you know, you, you grow into more complexity as you get older, which really lends itself to describe, I think beautifully why we should value those who have lived a long life. Those who we might couch as elderly. Well, there was, there's wisdom with the elderly. There's wisdom with those who have lived a life. And how do we reflect on that wisdom that they've gained to to make decisions that are smart for the here and now for where we are. And I think that discussion between, as I've gone to this route before in, in our talks, the discussion between the youth and the and the elderly and the elderly to the youth, that back and forth is so lost in today's society. But it's so valuable because oh. you can value, okay, I'm just a 20-something or I'm just a 30-something. And I and I know there's going to be more complexities coming, but I don't have to worry about retirement when I'm 30. But now that you and I are, are in our 50s, now we're thinking about retirement like in a way that we never thought. And so oh, absolutely. Yeah, decision. And in fact, uh, our third daughter just started her first full time job uh, in the healthcare field. And the first thing I said to her is, what about putting away for retirement? I know that it's only going to be a small amount, but boy, if you could start that now, You'll just be so much farther ahead than than dad and I were when when we were your age and when you get to be our age, if you spent just a little bit of time every month kind of figuring that out. You know, Scott, for you and I, I think one of the biggest decisions that we ever made uh, actually ended up leading to one of the, the just most prosperous time of our lives. And that's when we left California and moved up here to the Pacific Northwest in the Portland area. Well, and finished our family. We just had one little girl at the time. Alyssa was only one, I think. But it was it really was a big decision because it was going to require us to sell our home for you to take on a new career, a new state, a whole new church community. And that's when we learned the most important thing in entering any process. And there wasn't any guarantee when you applied for this job if you would get it or not. But it was going to require us to make a move and we needed to be ready for that. But it is prayer. And it is through prayer that you just really uh, bolster yourself and prepare yourself to uh, enter into that decision making process. It's a part of our regular existence, it seems like now, if we enter into any kind of situation, decision, meetings throughout the day, prayer is always at the forefront of our mind. Yeah. So I think one of the, clear things that has evolved in our marriage and in our adulting as we've grown older is understanding that when decisions are made as a Christian, it's incumbent upon us to talk to God, to just talk to God. And talking to God is in the formal sense written down as prayer. When we think of, you know, growing up as a, as, as a kid, you think about prayer. Oh, I got to I'll say this prayer and I'll say that prayer and I'll read this prayer. And then we get this notion in our mind that prayer is a process. It's a tool. It's something I can tangibly do, but it's not that. I mean, to wipe away that notion of what 
of what we might think prayer is as a young person, prayer as an adult is talking with God, is actually entering into friendship with God. And sometimes it takes some process to get there. But when we're before the Blessed Sacrament, as an example, and we maybe have gone through some prayers that we remember to try to focus our mind, once we let go of me controlling and just being present before God and just talking with God, like I did, I remember so clearly when I was discerning the diaconate and having to make a decision on whether this was going to be of value to the family. And I couldn't see how all the sacrifice was going to equate to value to the family. And in the discernment in front of the blessed sacrament in talking with God, I realized I could not have made the decisions I made without that prayer. And that prayer really is communicating with my friend, my father, communicating with Jesus, my friend and, and God, the father through Jesus. And that was the beauty, that connection. And I, I go back to that. I I have a recollection of that. And I think, our adulthood, we can recollect on the valuable nuggets of wisdom and apply them. The next step that Father Weta talked about in our interview, and I think for you and I, Scott, we can sit in this step and not move if, we, if we're not careful of that. And that has to do with thinking. Now we pray about it and now we think. As you said, you go through the different steps. Is this good? Is this bad? How will it look? How will it look if this happens? On and on. I think for myself, I get hung up in the thinking stage though. You go through everything and then you go, boom, this is it. Whereas for me, I can think and I can think. And then when it's time to make a decision, it's like, oh, I got to think a little bit more about this because I wasn't sure about this idea. And then I think about it. And so you you have to give the right amount of time to think about the situation. But you got to move into the third step, which is act. And uh, I think over the years, you and I maybe kind of figured that out about each other that, you know, we'll do all the same process. It might take us different lengths of time, but we're also there to encourage each other to be there to bounce ideas off of. And then when we're ready, we'll act on something together. Yeah. Thinking is, uh, is a beautiful trap at times. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that we can do. We feel like, okay, I'm accomplishing something, but then when we start to grind on that thought and it just keeps going over and over and we go through every scenario that we can come up with, and we even wake up at night thinking of that. What our um, in our formation as as deacons, we learned very quickly is this notion of cognitive distortion. I've shared shared that before with folks. Cognitive distortion when we dwell on something to the point that it becomes uh, anxiety, mm. and in the anxiety we begin to despair because nothing is coming, no no answers happening, and we start to 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 fall away from trusting that God is with us, that God has not left, but we of our own volition begin to leave God in our despair of thinking, thinking, overthinking it. And so in decision-making, it's important to, to do the preparation of asking God, letting go, and then know that I have to think this through with what God has given me, but not to go beyond what God has given me. 
And so often that's where a lot of our anxiety lies in it is that we want to have more ideas, more options to make decisions. But you're right. Sometimes we don't always get that. And we've just got to make the decision based on what we have, because as you said, God hasn't given us all that information for whatever reason. Scott, before we go today, can you end us in prayer? Lord, we thank you for the great gift you give us in working with you in our lives, that our lives are not something that are out of our control, but are within our ability to join you and walk with you in humility, that our will may be lined up with your will this week. We pray for that and ask for the intercession of your mother in this week, as we are grateful to be doing the will of the Father. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless and keep having a great Easter. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.